Dear brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the solemnity of the Epiphany, the manifestation of uh, Christ, God made man, to the Gentiles, to all nations, and so to us who are not directly children of Abraham and to the whole world. The episode uh, of the first Epiphany of Christ to the Magi, we read it uh, today in the Gospel of Matthew. The three Magi from the East, people coming from a pagan territory, from a people that did not descend from Abraham, they were waiting for the birth of the king of the Jews, and they saw the astrological sign rising, and they set off. Their arrival at Jerusalem causes trouble to Herod and to the whole town, because when Herod was in trouble, the whole town was in trouble. He was a dictator. We see the two opposites attitudes in front of uh, the infant. On one hand, we have the Magi who have made their own the prophecies of the Jews and uh, respond in a prophetic way, reversing uh, to the child riches, gold, frankincense as an act of praising. And on the other hand, we see Herod who knows the same prophecies. He knows them well. But for them, for him, they are a looming threat, a threat to his greed for power. Therefore, when he heard the news of the king of the Jews being born, he yields to that fear and plots to kill him. And in order to kill him, he tries, he kills thousands of infants. The confrontation between light and darkness takes place since the beginning of the coming of Christ on earth. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. We read this in the first chapter of John. This confrontation between darkness and light is what we commemorate today, but today we commemorate more the fact that the light prevails. Through the cooperation of the ones who choose this light, like for instance the Magi who decide not to come back to Herod and to cooperate with this plot, the light prevails. But also the light prevails because it's essentially superior to darkness. Darkness tends to fight against light, but doesn't have any say. We see, for instance, this in uh, the way the innocent children are killed. Yes, they are killed. Darkness seems to prevail. But at the end of the day, the ones who are in heaven and have eternal light are the ones who stayed with the light. Isaiah foresaw this uh, discreet, silent, apparently weak and yet more powerful victory of the light of Christ in these words. Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth and thick clouds cover the people. But upon you, the Lord shines and over you appears his glory. Nation shall walk by your light. 
Darkness covers the earth, and thick clouds cover the people, Isaiah said. Yes, many people, human beings, are here on earth today and do not know Christ. Do not know him in the sense that even if they might have heard about him, they don't know that, that he exists because that he exists and he came to deliver them. They may be indifferent to that or they may have consciously tried to get rid of him. We see also constituted structures of evil that clearly have one sole goal, to get rid of the light and to open the way to darkness through deceit, confusion, lies, and abuse of power. We breathe the heavy humidity of this cloud, suffocating humidity. And we recognize that this resonates with the same humidity that we experience in our hearts when we do not bet on God, on Christ as our Lord. Nonetheless, we are here because we have made our mature decision to stand for the light. We decided that amid uncertainties, amid inconsistencies of our own hearts, of our own will, we decide again and we renew today in this solemnity that we want to be part of this light. We want to adore this light and we want to pervade it by it. In adoring this light, we are encouraged to do like the Magi. They offered him gold. We offer gold to a king, so acknowledging him as the ruler of history. This seems a, a well-known thing for us, but do we acknowledge Christ as the one who has a say in our life? Do we acknowledge Christ as the one who leads history? And the course of history has full meaning only if it goes to him? Do we acknowledge that our own personal lives find fulfillment if he is submitted to him? Then offering incense. Incense in the book of Revelation represents the prayers that are raised from the human beings to God. So when we offer incense, we acknowledge him as divine. When we experience darkness, we are called again to make that simple decision to turn to him and ask. We often put at stake. We often, with our own decision, hinder, obstacle, the beatitude that is in store for us today because we get stuck in that darkness. We do not decide to let the light of Christ break through just with a simple and yet real action to talk to him, to turn to him and say, Lord, help me. Lord, my God, divine, maker of heaven and earth, for whom everything is possible and upon whom anything consists, help me. 
And then we offer myrrh. Myrrh was uh, the scent, the resin, that uh, was put in the barn that was used to anoint the corpse to preserve them from uh, soon corruption. And was also put in the anointing oil that is used to anoint the priest, the prophet, and the king. In this element, we offer, offering mere, we recognize that Christ is destined to save us through a sacrifice. He went on the cross. When the Magi give mere to that child and he lays in a manger that is like the prophecy of the coffin of the tomb, Christ is already destined to save us through that sacrifice. So when we offer mere, we partake in his dying to save us. How? Putting to death sin with a clear-cut decision. There is no compromise in front of the holiness of God with sin. And if sin seems to take hold of us with its so-called power, in front of God, we only have to make one sole decision. To rather die than to sin. It seems contradicting because we want God. We want to avoid sin to have life. But that's the paradox of the cross. But if we make ourselves available and we do not refrain from the sacrifice, the Lord will help. It will help. And we will experience already here the victory of his resurrection. The life that comes from a life set on him. In this uh, threefold act of adoration, we acknowledge him as the light, not only for ourselves, but in doing so, we, each one of us, become light for the nations, for all the ones that I mentioned that do not know God or may have rejected him. Every Easter, here in Nativity, and in many parishes around the United States, we have the gift the precious gift to witness an Easter vigil night, few and yet many converts who ask to be initiated, to receive baptism, confirmation, to receive the Holy Eucharist, and an old life with different stories. One of the high schoolers that I'm preparing, she decided to come to youth group and to know Christ and to become his only because on a field trip to Washington, she was brought in the cathedral and her dearest friends started to pray. Imagine, with all the inputs that a teenager receives now in this world against God, one single glimpse of light was enough, enough to show all the lies and to show who is true, who is God. So, my dear parishioners, God prevails, the light prevails. In this celebration, in this solemnity, we are called to renew our stance for the light, our decision for the light. We ask God that he may penetrate in us his light, and so, we may become light for the nations.